Welcome to a conversation between me, Suzanne Allen, and Amanda Huxtable on my new project, The Neurology of Power, recorded as part of Free Word season, Finding Power in Isolation, a season exploring new possibilities for power and voice. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Amanda. How you doing? Do you know what? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really well. I want to let people know how we met, first of all, before we get into it. So um, I'm going to get you to start first and then I'll join in. Is that all right? Yes. So me and Amanda, as the story goes, uh, we were both awarded um, a grant to be Arts Council England Changemakers. Mm-hmm. And our eyes met. There is number three. <laughs> and that was it, really. <laughs> Joker. Uh, okay. And I, I, I remember, um, you know, there's 20 of us in that particular year. And uh, what I recall is that you, you did have very sparkly eyes, gorgeous hair, amazing glasses, no doubt about that. But you, to me, were a connector. You just wouldn't let it go. You just wouldn't let it go. You were getting numbers, you were getting emails. You were just trying to gather the people, and I was intrigued by that. And um, I was also really honoured by that because we became a kind of collective uh, you thought in such an extraordinary way and really stretched my thinking, challenged me at times, which was really cool. Um, and so that's how I kind of remember us meeting. We met because of circumstances, but I'm very glad we did. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good recollection and possibly a little bit more articulate than mine, <laughs> which bodes well for the conversation <laughs> we're about to have. Exactly. You invited me over. No, it's cool. It's really cool. So... We have had the opportunity, a blessed opportunity, to be in each other's spaces. Um, and we're here today to talk about a particular a topic that's close to your heart. Uh, I won't say any about any other parts of your body because I'm sure you'll be able to speak more about that later on. But um, really, I'm really interested because we, we, we sat together uh, discussing this particular project uh, about a year ago. In fact, yeah, almost a year today. Um, and I just wanted to kind of ask you more about what happened since that time so we were sat at the world conference and we were talking amongst our peers you know and all that kind of thing but I know that you are a people's person um and so you've kind of stepped out of that space but I don't know the details which is why I'm here I really want to know what you've been up to so can you tell us more about your research and how you got there Yes. So I suppose the first thing to say is that I'm not a scientist. I am a pretty regular person. I was at uni. Um, I'm a black woman. And I started to think about why there weren't people like me in positions of leadership. And in short, I started to think about power because I didn't see that word. And I thought that feels like it could be something interesting Uh, My old flatmate 20 years ago, she used to do um, post-it notes for affirmations and I thought she was a bit bonkers. 20 years later, I realised that's a real thing and if you do affirmations, it changes how your brain works. Part two of that is that I read an article that we might talk about a bit later which said that power damages the brain And I thought that was quite interesting. And part three was it linked to some research that I'd done that visually showed who had power 
And so I thought, well, if 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 kind of post-it notes and affirmations can kind of change how you think about yourself, what would happen if you as largely, I guess, a, a middle-class white man just kept seeing versions of you all the time and you were the people that had power, what would happen? Like, does that just affirm your position of power in the world? And I started to think, what what would that look like? How could we how could we make change? And so I came up with this project called Neurology of Power. It's huge. Neurology of Power. I, I need to go back a little just to trace back on that journey. Um, so we got this section, the, the number two point, which was uh, power damages the brain. Is that what I heard you say? That is what you heard me say. All right. So that that's kind of concerning. Seeing as I've just entered into a leadership role of another kind of level, so I'm really interested in more about that in terms of research and and what you're thinking. So, the thing that I learned going to university, and I went to university late in life, and I went straight into a master's, is that you know when you read kind of all those headlines. Mm -hmm. In this case, power damages the brain. (laughs) Yeah. I know even saying it right mm-hmm. they're not they're not necessarily quite what they seem and what they've generally done is they've taken something that might be a little bit more complicated might have a few more sentences to it and they've beefed it up into kind of a sexy headline clickbait yeah that <laughs> that that and I mean, I, I'm not sort of um, denigrating the man- magazine no. I read it in, yeah, but it did make me, as someone who'd then done a master's, think I, I think I should track back mm-hmm. and have a look for where that came from. And and that's what I did, and that is one of the key things that kick-started this project. That makes total sense, and that's exactly how you process, by getting back to the source and, and, and then interpreting using your own understanding that's really really helpful okay so once you kind of did that what were your findings to this point so I I discovered a a neuroscientist who who looks specifically at power um, and to me he's very amazing now the thing about it is that the area of neuroscience that I'm looking at is quite new Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. Neuroscience itself is 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 fairly new, but this area, kind of cultural neuroscience, human neuroscience, is even newer. Mm. And so, the, all the questions I sort of tracked him down and went to talk to him, and all the questions that we're asking, he's telling us he'll have the answers, or the answers will be clearer in a few years. But that's not to say he hasn't done some research. And the major bit of research that he's done is around empathy. And power, and that's where this kind of more consumer-orientated piece drew its headline. So, should I give you a little bit more explanation about what that did and what it looked at? Yeah, I'm really interested in the cultural neuroscience. So, that whole kind of applying it to the real world—that would be really helpful. Yes. Yeah, so, essentially, they did some tests on the brain, and they started to measure empathy. And what they found, and I should stress what they found some of the time, not all of the time, is that um, the more power you had, the lower levels of empathy that you had. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Writing that down. So, um, okay. So this, this means if you, if you can measure power, 
this is what you're saying, then any kind of leader could check to see their levels at every appraisal, couldn't they? You know. So and so that's what's really interesting about me doing this work because you know, I go through these moments of why am I doing this? I'm not a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. But I think like you and like everyone else, you start to think of practical applications. Mm -hmm. So we're both kind of leaders in culture. We think about it in terms of culture defines us, who's getting to do it. But when I put my other hat on, my kind of I'm sitting in my flat, um, just generally chilling during coronavirus, Mm -hmm. I start to think of well, how could that affect me in my day-to-day life? How could understanding power in the brain? But if you think about it, every single action, every conversation you do is linked to power. If you speak to your partner, somewhere in that, it's quite often about who holds the power at that moment. If you're speaking to your kids, if you're thinking about young kids that you're bringing up, then then you're quite often considering you know, what power am I exerting over them? If you think about right now in coronavirus, a lot of us are kind of sitting here going, well, do we feel a loss of power? And if we do, why? Yeah, I hear you. All communication is a transaction in power and that kind of having to um, negotiate that every day. So that, that, that makes total sense, particularly, I think, for black uh, people, uh, black you know, women, just that whole kind of where you sit within the societal structure. So that makes total sense to me. I mean, this is never known navigating power more than now, having to do it online or, or not. So, yeah, that makes sense. So I think there are some some other really interesting areas that that can link to. So what I was talking about there was a specific um research paper from a neuroscientist Mm. but you know we can link that up to more general science and that's one of the things that I'm doing I'm talking Mm. to neuroscientists who work on power I'm talking to neuroscientists who work on racism Um, Mm. there's even a neuroscientist whose specialism is around morality and then I'm sort of thinking how can those link up Um, but as I said a second though more general so if we're thinking about this paper around empathy, then you have to think about serotonin um, because serotonin is is this chemical that's linked to us, kind of this feeling around sense of calm and well-being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and quite often when it's off, people are often perceived or seen as either less empathetic or more empathetic. Mm-hmm. And that's why all of this work is so connected. It's kind of a neuroscientist um, through one lens and what would a psychiatrist say mm-hmm. on, the, on the other lens who's talking about uh, serotonin. So think about this. If, if you're kind of thinking about um, empathy and then ultimately power, if you don't feel empathetic, then how are you going to kind of connect with other people? But also, if you don't have power, or if you feel you don't have power, how are you going to be able to express yourself? How are you going to really have a sense of what you can do and how you can do it? So for me, I'm kind of like a really interesting translator. I'm sort of the lowest common denominator. I'm sort of going, talking to neuroscientists, but then I'm trying to translate it 
into things that make sense for me in my daily life. Yeah, yeah, applied neuroscience. I, I, I love that with the cultural um, element. Really, really exciting times. So, like uh, the brain, this is a, you know this is a big, big subject matter. Um, when you're communicating with the scientists, you know, what do you feel? You know, what 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 have you learned so far? What's something? Tell me more about the brain. So, you know. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this on this thing. I'm not a neuroscientist, right? And I, and I, I do. I, I walk through this thinking, what on earth am I doing and why am I doing it? And I kind of know the bit of why I'm doing it because I'm interested in it. And I think, you know, it's interesting to the world. So I had to kind of go back to some basics like this is your brain. And I worked with um, some people to kind of get some basic understandings. And if you think about it, as human beings, we we think about our heart, we think about taking supplements that will help that, we think about training or walking, but what we don't stop to think about is, is our brain. So why don't I give you some fun facts about things that I've learned? <laughs> you go ahead. Let's, let's, let's see about these fun facts. I do feel like you're going to judge me on how fun the facts are. No, seriously, there might be just some kind of little points at the end. No, but really, go ahead. I'm, I'm excited for you. So I think the thing that I've, you know, learned about first was this, was a brainstem. And our brainstem is kind of the funnel that goes into the brain. Like, and obviously that yeah, yeah, yeah. in really simple layman's terms. But our brainstem is so important. So it controls all of our involuntary functions. And that might be obvious to some, but to me, I was like, uh, you what now? Tell me, explain to me. Mm-hmm. So some really big things, like imagine if you actually had to think about your heartbeat and regulating that yourself. Your brainstem does that, so you don't have to think. Or imagine if you had to think about your eyes blinking. Um that all of that is done by your brainstem, even your your breathing. And so one of the things that your brain does is it's super smart. It protects the brainstem at all costs. Because kind of if something happens to your brainstem, the outcome isn't really that good for you. No, it's your hard drive. Yeah, so maybe not a fun fact, but an essential fact. No, no, it's a, it's a, a real thing. You know, when you're speaking, it's like, oh, of course, of course, we know this. But it's really helpful to focus on that and to kind of apply it to what you're trying to do. So, yeah, that makes sense. I just And I think it's just somehow useful to know. So mm-hmm. here's something that, um, here's something that I, I suspect that you will jump to a conclusion. So okay. the cerebellum. And simply put, that's what we use for fine motor action and for balance. Um, One of the ways that I can explain it is it's what allows you to walk in a straight line. (laughs) So you know where I'm going to (laughs) go. So if 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 you're someone that drinks, and I totally appreciate that some people don't, mm-hmm. but if if you were someone who drinks and you might have drunk a little too much and you can't walk in a straight line, the bit of your brain that's being affected in part is the cerebellum. Famous part of the brain. You won't forget that now, will you? No, 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 I won't. That's lovely. But then if we sort of move more towards the areas that I've been talking about in my research or thinking about, then there's a temporal region, which is on the side of your brain. 
And unsurprisingly, that's the area that's most used for things like hearing and auditory functions. So if you kind of thought about your own head, it's right next to your ear. Kind of makes sense. And then there's my favorite bit at the moment. You have a favorite bit of the brain. Yeah. And and mostly, so uh, as you may or may not know, I'm dyslexic and uh, PTSD. And quite often I kind of struggle with learning how to pronounce words that don't make sense. So this bit of the brain is called the amygdala. 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 Yeah. And you know, you know, you know that temporal region that we were talking about on the side yeah. of your brain. Um, well, it's in the far part of that. Um, now, uh, this is flashing back. I'm getting some flashbacks here about the amygdala. It's um, and I don't know why. There's a cartoon that's flashing in my head, like a small part of the brain that controls everything. Is that is that where you're getting to? So, yes, I don't know if a, a scientist would say it controls everything, but it does no, a lot. Know. No, it does I'm a lot. Scientist, it's all good. So, I'm talking about cartoons. So. <laughs> you are talking about a cartoon. And so so maybe they used artistic license. But, but let me tell you what it does, right? So it looks around and, and it thinks about whether this is a safe place for us to be. So it's really... Um, a lot of its work is around keeping us safe. But of course, to do that, it's really considering how we should respond to a threat. It's also where we house our emotions like fear and sadness, aggression and anger. Like I say, controls everything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it's part of that kind of fight or flight response that we often hear. Yeah. yeah. And look, you know, this is a really simplistic view of the brain. There's there's so much more going on, um, not least the fact that all of these parts of the brain work together. So let me tell you this. So the amygdala, I'm sure there's a song about this. You just the love amygdala, saying, don't you? Just I love do. <laughs> let me say it one more time. The amygdala is linked to the hippocampus. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, and, and, and that is all about our memory so if you think about this now your amygdala is kind of looking around going is it safe but it really has to talk to the hippocampus he's going is this something i've seen before or should i be afraid of it so when i'm thinking about neurology of power for me as a layman having these basics is giving me kind of a direction of travel so that when i'm talking to the neuroscientist about the very particular things that 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 neuron or that cognitive function or that chemical reaction i've got some context yes i hear you that's a really important point when you're going into a field of expertise i find as a theater director and on a very different level you're wanting to explore it in the language that people are using in their terms and that's that's fair enough and that's really it's, it's exciting so I suppose the other thing that um, that is useful is to think about um, about some of the things that, that we know already. So I talked to um, a really brilliant doctor in LA, Dr. Joy Jones, and she was really good at breaking things down and making them sort of simple for me. So one of the examples that she talked about was looking at primates. Okay. So the alpha mm -hmm. male the gorilla running the colony has higher levels of testosterone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that high level of testosterone 
has quite a lot to do with their ability to be powerful. And so what I'm seeing is this is like a massive jigsaw puzzle. And yeah. as someone who's dyslexic, I, that's how I see things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're really at in the work that I'm kind of do and bring together and talk to neuroscientists is looking at all those components that feed into what make us powerful or not powerful. You've, you've, you've given us that really clear sense of why and what the potential could be. So through that long journey through the brain and understanding why you're doing this and, you know, the kind of everyday power base and what how it could potentially change things, I suppose. Uh, I don't know if that's what your aim is for, but um, exploring it is certainly a start to that towards that change. Um, what's your next move, you know, after the next eight to ten years or so? What, what do you see, how, especially with, with COVID as it's been? Last year, you and I, pretty much about this time, I was talking about this research um, at a conference. Little did I know we'd be where we are now. And at the time, it was really about doing a literature review, just kind of looking and seeing what there was, and that that was it. Where we are now, a year on, I think I'm a sort of understanding the implication of the enormity of the project so it's definitely eight to ten years plus but we've kind of you know like most things we've cut it into kind of digestible parts so right now we really are looking at what are those kind of not partnerships but but what are those intersections what else do we need to look at so we're looking at unsurprisingly we're looking at power and racism Uh, We're looking at neuroscientists that are talking about morality, as I said, but we're also looking with partners. We're looking to see who we could work with so that we can be collaborative and explore this together. Well, I look forward to seeing exactly where you end up in the next, you know, part of this extraordinary journey. And Suzanne, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me into this um, part of it. Um, Can you just share... Uh, where we can follow you and check more about your research and what your your um, socials are. Yes, yeah, so my socials are kind of uh, fairly easy, so long as you can spell my name. <laughs> it's my first name underscore my last name for Twitter and Instagram. So that's Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E underscore Aline, A-L-L-E-Y-N-E. Um, and, you know, People should be able to find you too. So what are yours? We're at Eclipse TCL. That's what we are. Um, and you can also find me, Amanda, at Amanda Huxtable. Wow. So I think, are we done? I think we're done, you know. You've, you've, you've shattered me with all that talk of the brain. I'm going to have to go and get some water to feed mine. So I appreciate though. Really, really. I really yeah. thought you were about to go and get a little drink to test out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Walk in a straight line. <laughs> I'm sticking to the water, trust me. <laughs> wow. So, you know, let's round up and say thank you very much to FreeWord. I hope people have enjoyed this. Come chat to us on Twitter. Um, we'd love to talk to people because I guess, I guess the final thing I'll say is that, you know, the more brains, the better. So anyone who's got some thoughts, things they'd like to find out, literally just come and find us on the socials and we'd love to chat.